I've heard my father tell stories of how his father was not there for him, of his father being physically and emotionally and spiritually absent from his life. And I can see the impact and the damage of that 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 has had on my father. I can see that. And T.D. Jakes taught me this, that just because you're a grown man, that doesn't mean you stop needing a father. My father always talks about this. My parents grew up in Pittsburgh in a steel mill town. Then he went down to the steel mill one day to ask his father for some money. And his father denied him, not only denied him the money, but acted like he wasn't even there. Just completely shooed him like a fly. Just shoo, just get away from me. To be denied by your father like that, not just the money, but your very presence being denied. When you're denied by your father like that, there is a piece of you that has to cut yourself off from any expectation of that relationship. You do it for survival. You do it for survival. And so you can go years and years and years with that part of your heart being cut off. And it doesn't necessarily, for some men, just cut back on because you have a child yourself. My relationship with my father is kind of, is, is weird. I grew up with him around for a couple of years, and then afterwards, like, I would see him, you know, and we just never could connect. We never talked. It wasn't a bad relationship. It was almost like we were strangers to each other, you know, like we never really took time to get to know each other, and that was something that really bothered me. You know, it really weighed heavy on me. I tried to talk about it to him, and it just was one of those things to where we just never could connect, and so... You know, in order for me to move on, I had to let that relationship go. There's even been a point in time, you know, and I'm getting ready to really open up, but, you know, there's really been a point in time to where we live in the same house, like, with my grandmother. My dad is a diabetic, he's very sickly, but, like, we lived in the same house for, like, almost two years, and I can't recall being in the same house with him and having a conversation, not even conversing, never. Like, we never, it was like, hey, Dad, how are you? And he would say, I'm fine, and we would keep it moving. For two years, it was like that. So, and it was very weird, so I had to let that go. Like, even now, sometimes when I call, he doesn't talk to me on the phone. You know, and like I said, it it, it bothered me for a period in my life. But um, I had to let that go. I want to tell you about a cousin who has a 16-year-old son, and he is, my cousin, is physically absent, emotionally absent, and spiritually absent from his son's life. His son was conceived during a one-night stand, and while my cousin does acknowledge that he does have a son, you could say Happy Father's Day to him on Father's Day, and he will look at you like you are talking to Bozo the Clown. Like, what? There's such a detachment from being a father. No connection. Doesn't see his son, doesn't talk to him, doesn't ask anybody who has seen him or talked to him about him. Nothing. But I look out into the world at all the men who are making babies and who can turn their backs on them seemingly without pause, without any kind of internal consternation. So I want to ask the question and talk about what is that that we do as men whenever we become fathers? Where is that coming from in the soul space? When someone like my cousin can completely just turn his back on his son and act like the brother doesn't even exist. And this brother is 16 years old now, growing up without a father. My cousin 
grew up without a father in his life. My mm. cousin was pretty much raised by my mother. He is the son of my mother's sister. And my mother's sister was out being young and carefree and doing her thing and kind of left the baby at home with her sister and her mother and my grandfather, Otto Wesley. And my mother took care of him. So much so that when my mother got married, he was 16 when my mother got married to my father and moved from Pittsburgh to Washington. And he cried like a baby and begged my mother to bring him with her. Which she said to him, as soon as you get out of high school, you can come live with me. He got out of high school, he packed his stuff and moved to Washington and lived with us. So I grew up with this cousin. He lived in our house. So my father and mother are like his parents. So even though he grew up in our household like a brother and my father was a father figure to him, in his heart space, he still is absent a father. My experience is my dad, he did not get that type of support. His father was not there. My grandmother and uh, my biological grandfather separated at a young age for specific reasons, and my grandfather was absent in his life. So there was a stepfather that was there, but he was not spiritually there. So my father made a conscious decision. He did not want that for whenever he had children. So he made it his business. He did not want that cycle to be repeated and to basically kind of make up for what he did not get. So he did provide that spiritual guidance and to make sure he was physically there. And even to this day, he is still makes it his business to make sure that he is providing guidance spiritually as well as physically. And his motivation is because he did not get that growing up. The strongest spiritual being as a child was really my grandfather. And then a few years after I was born, he died. And so my father wasn't there. And I was raised by a stepfather who I saw read the Bible, quote the Bible all the time, but was one of the most abusive persons I have ever encountered in my life. Spiritually abusive, physically abusive, mentally, even sexually abusive. But this was the beginning of my life, and this is who I was raised under for years. And from the perspective of being a man or a young man, what spirituality was supposed to be like, thank God for my uncles and pastors, mentors, mm -hmm. etc., that I'm kind of correcting some of that thinking. But I had that question about my biological father for years. What is it about me that you refuse to come forth and to be present in my life? I mean, and I carried this thing, this burden, this heaviness for years, thinking something was wrong with me. When I was 23 years old, I went to meet my paternal grandmother for the first time. I called her, got her information. We talked over the phone, and she said, ironically, your father is here. He's never here, but he's here. Would you like to speak to him? So I spoke to him. My intention was to meet her, but because I knew he was going to be there, I was going to let him have it as soon as, I mean, on site, as soon as I saw him. 
We traveled up to Columbus, Ohio. I went to meet them. As I went to speak to my father, he said, listen, I know you have a lot of questions, and I know that you are upset, but I'm praying that we can let the past be the past. And what I found out is this, a story that my mother told me from day one on the day that I was born. She called my father. She was going into labor. She said, I'm going to the hospital. And she always told me my father just never showed up ever again. So that's starting the hurt. That was the story I've always was given. On that day, when I met with my grandmother, met my father, he said to me, and this is true because my mother backed it up um, after I called her and told her I was there in Columbus. story ends with my mother going back and being with my sister's father, and she cut my father out of the picture. So by the time my mother got with my stepfather, my father was completely removed from the picture. So somehow, emotionally and everything, he removed himself from me. Now, I do think he had some responsibility to say, look, you're not going to cut me out of my son's life. But my mother played a big role in that. And until this day, I talk to my father, we have very good conversations, but there's still no emotional attachment.